Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. I hope that you are all well. I hope there's a little bit of light and a little bit of happiness echoing in your life, wherever you are right now. We're here in the United Kingdom going through a heat wave, which seems to be ongoing and everlasting and we're all finding it a little bit sort of difficult but you know that is life isn't it we have to accept sometimes the situation that we are in in order to survive and also we have to accept the light and the darkness because everything in this life has the light and has the dark It really is entirely up to us in which direction we turn towards, whether we turn to the sunshine, to the glow of the moonlight, or we look into the dark crevices. Sometimes it is not easy. And one of the most important things I believe in life is to have the power and the belief in oneself. And that no matter what happens, however terrible sometimes things may seem around us and how fearful is that we ourselves are so powerful. Our light, our essence and our core is one of the most powerful things on this earth and we need to keep strong, you know, have the faith firstly in ourselves and encapsulate that power really within our soul and today's guest well what can I say I have really the honor the pleasure to have my wonderful and really beautiful guest today who is Billy Boss now Billy is a high performance life strategist That's just the beginning of the story I have to tell you. She is a speaker and an author, and she helps individuals and teams to bring out their joy and passion through living their life with a purpose. She really inspires people to create their ideal life, something that they have always strived to do, and I suppose a little bit like the dream maker. And through that, in order to reach that, she uncovers what's holding them back. It is actually the pain that Billy has personally lived through, which has been extremely traumatic. And she will give 
us her amazing and you know sad but triumphant story you know in the end later on that has actually turned into her greatest power and this didn't come easy there's nothing in life really like this does come easy and without guidance but she is the perfect example of understanding difficulties and actually dealing with them and how to take the first step to help others to empower others and to inspire others billy is also best known as a voice for women and men who have been living in the silence of abuse it's often a very difficult subject but it's something really these days that keeps coming up over and over again and it's something that she is an expert in helping others deal with she turned her own life from a mess into the woman that she is now which is an author an entrepreneur an athlete a mama and all things wonderful she is a motivational speaker as well and an advocate for survivors of sexual abuse and also empowering people to live their life with passion confidence authenticity and love i have the real pleasure of welcoming billy mimi i'm into your great introduction <laughs> i had to pinch myself and to really figure out is that me you're introducing or is it somebody else thank you so much and i'm so honored and and i have the greatest pleasure to be here uh with you and really serving your audience so thank you so much oh thank you so much billy for coming on today and yes it is you and you are absolutely remarkable and oh my goodness really your story and your survival and this huge you know loving spirit of yours is really truly amazing and i'm honored to have you here today thank you thank you mimi and usually i would say we all do have a story and we all have a unique way of our life but um uh, at the end is honestly what do we do with that story what do we do with that life Mm -hmm. um and um honestly i would not just say well you know i had a really tough and challenging life there is so many people out there however um as you just sort of um, mentioned in your amazing introduction i did actually turn my pain into pow power um and also all of those wounds that i went through they actually became my life learning wisdom something that you cannot really go and learn anywhere else or buy the book and learn those um wisdom but mm. you just have to go through experience it, feel it and uh, and really um be grateful end of the journey for for everything that had happened it's the university of life isn't it it's one of the most important i think knowledges and wisdoms that we can ever go through is actually living through it and i know that your story was harrowing but for the listeners please tell us you know if we go back to the beginning of 
your life in a way. Tell mm. us a little bit how it all started and um, share a little bit about your life, Billy. Sure. So for me, everything started, um, well, I actually experienced um, subconscious rejection being 17 days old. So my mom, she actually left me as a little baby, 17 days old with foster family. And um, I have been age of six when I got reunited with my parents. So in that age, um, in that period of six um, years, they would sort of, my mom and dad will come and visit me. And, um, um, and by that stage of uh, age of six, I had actually changed a couple of foster families. Uh, when I was re- reunited with my family, um, as a little kid, mm. you sort of really look forward to being with your mom and dad and embracing the family and uh, whatnot. And that really turned to be, um, start of my nightmare that I had to endure for years and my uh, father actually started to sexually abuse me uh, with that mental and emotional abuse came through um, uh, physical abuse as well so and this was your real actually, father Billy. this is my biological father yes um, so this had been going for about 12 years. So from age of six um, until age of 17 and a half. Um, so um, for, for me, it was something that uh, I think like, you know, anyone that is actually listening and finding themselves in, 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 in this story, um, mm-hmm. they would exactly know like how it feels like that your childhood, childhood is taken away. Um, the trust is taken away. There, there is um, a sense of self-esteem. There is nothing in there, the confidence, the sense of um, worthlessness, all of these things that they're actually non-existing. Um, so in, uh, in, through, through all of this time, not just that my father was abusing me, but uh, you, you, you go to school, there is also teachers. Uh, so during the war, because my background is um, Serbian and I lived in Bosnia, so... Um, I was also shot during the war. So being in um, hospital for some time, um, doctor also abused me. So it it sort of happened to be like, wow, you know, one thing after Mm. the other. Um, However, I felt that I don't know for anything different. I could not actually say anything. I had to keep uh, um, in silence. I was afraid to speak up. I was actually threatened to to speak up as well. So I also feel for many people that they might actually would like to share their story, but there is also that fear of judgment, fear of what we... um, no one is going to believe us fear of are we going to survive afterwards what is the next chapter of our life fear of the change there is so many fears and all of this were was going actually through my head and um, to tell you the truth Mimi in beginning I did not know what was really going on I did not know that this was something that it's not supposed to be happening mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I did not know any other way so Later on, it came to become more of a, um, to, to sort of see that this is something that it shouldn't be happening to children, um, where I actually learn more about some certain things. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to, so you, did you actually live through the war? 
Yes, yes, um, I did. I did. And the war actually started back in the 91 um, through to 96. So, yes, we lived through the war over there. And, um, yeah, I was the survivor of the war. And every time I think of that moment, how everything happened and how that bullet just um, sort of missed me by one millimetre on my face, um, every time that is the reminder for me that, there was a reason for me to live, to do something. There, is a, uh, there was a greater vision, mission and purpose for me. Um, now, and mm-hmm. it, it must have been absolutely terrifying, a terrifying life in itself, let alone with what was happening with the abuse as well. Oh, uh, definitely. Um, and that actually made sort of a bit even worse because there were not people around. Usually when, you know, war wasn't on, um, at least like, you know, it will be more family members. Somehow my father um, sent my beautiful sisters to be with our family members in the next um, city to ours where it was more peaceful and he kept me at home. And I pretty much all the time I was like a hostage uh, not just through the war, but through all the years of abuse because I was not allowed to go anywhere. I would, wasn't allowed to see anyone. Uh, we didn't have technology as we do like these days for our ki- mm. um, children. So I was very isolated from everybody and, and kept as a hostage. So it was, it was quite challenging. And to make matters worse, I thought to run away from home. And uh, when I did do that, little did I know that I was actually running into hands of a person that was wanting to kill me. Um, so that is the story on its own. But I'll just tiny bit share here with you. Mm. Um, because my father, during the war, he was, um, he was sort of known for a man who is sort of financially well-off, so he would actually pay people not to go to the war and everything. And there is different sides of political um, stuff, and they found this young person to um, come and show the eldest daughter in our family, and that is me. I'm the eldest daughter, so... Um, the the shooting and that was actually the shooter uh actually in, in the fact the shooter was his brother uh and later on a year later i ran away with the guy who was actually the brother of the shooter so and then he said to me um billy you know being drunk and one one night he just said to me i'm here to really end your life and then he told me and relieved uh, revealed the story of what was really going behind um scene because the moment I ran away from home, I had only seven days in peace and these guys started to abuse me, to, to threaten me, to beat me up, to uh, all the things that you would never think that a human can actually or should endure um, the pain. And um, yes, in, in that, in that um, um, relationship I actually had, um, I was actually forced to get married. And uh, I was underage and the fear, when we talk about overcoming fears, I think that was the biggest fear, the first biggest fear that I had to overcome. It's really to die or live. It was the question mark. So I decided, okay, I'll run for my life and I survived. I I ran and um, 
um, six months later from that event, I happened to come to this beautiful country, which was back in 96. So we landed in Australia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, from the abuse with my father, through, through the shooting, through forcing to be married, coming to Australia, thinking, okay, there we go. I'm free here. It, you know, beautiful country. Everything is amazing. And um, little did I know that side effects of what I went through had a really huge impact on my life which was um, depression and anxiety and uh, addictions. And, um, and really, I became my worst enemy afterwards. So, yeah. And what age did you um, leave? Is it Bosnia that you were in? Yes. Um, I was 17 and a half. So when we actually landed, and mind you, when I ran away from my, uh, uh, well, my ex-husband, should I said, because I was forced to, to be married mm. uh, to him and I got married. Um, I went, I ran back um, to my family, my mom and dad. And um, um, so I came with them to Australia. We came here together. We landed here um, uh, together back in 96 and yeah, 17 and a half at the time. And it was yeah. with both your parents that you yes. actually came to, to Australia. Mm, yeah, both parents, my beautiful two younger sisters, we all came here. And how did that feel that you were leaving that country and coming to a strange country, but yet also mm. with your father who had caused you so much pain? Well, to tell you the truth, I felt like coming here, yeah, it's a new start. start. And uh, if anything, I was feeling, well, uh, only our country, which was uh, former Yugoslavia at the time, did not have any rules or regulations to protect women nor children. So mm-hmm. then I felt, okay, in, in, in this beautiful country, I will be protected. Somebody will take care of me. My father will change because there are different rules. Um, so I actually had a really good out, outlook on life and definitely a lot of hope. However, it did not work that way because my father, again, persist, uh, was persistent with what he was doing. So he was still abusing me. For, for him, there was not law. For him, it was not nothing that, you know, can stop him. Um, and he knew that, um, well, I, I feel that he actually knew the fear in, in me that he sort of inbuilt. So he would always say to me, I'm you. Oh God, you have to obey me. You'll actually have to listen to what I say. So to me, again, we actually had to live through something, you know, what I lived back in, in um, Bosnia. So it, it was not actually, uh, the, my, my dreams were very much shattered um, soon after I recognized and realized what is actually going to happen. So um, it took me only six months to really speak up and I found myself um, at school when principal would come to me and they would say to me, Billy, it's been six months. Well, now, like thinking back, um, I could not understand word of English. So every time my interpreter was there, so she would say to me, Billy, principals and teachers, they're actually concerned about your education and well-being and you don't speak English at all. There is no one sentence coming out of you, what's going on. And that was the day when I actually went to principal's office and I invited my interpreter and I just said to them, this is what's going 
Um, so I don't know what to do. I said, I don't know, should I now go back home? I'm afraid because I said something and that was the day that I pretty much found myself on my own because principal stood up and she said, Billy, we are going to look after you. They organized the shelter, women's shelter. Mm-hmm. I went that, that day home and I prepared all my bags of clothes and uh, um, that I can actually take with me my uh, school bag. Um, and I also made one trip during the school hours knowing that my parents were not home. I went back home and I picked whatever I can. Um, so my principal was waiting for me at school and she took me to, to women's shelters. So that's where I actually found my first home. I stayed there for a while. I, it took me a very, very long time to really, um, yeah, to sort of really sit in, in everything that was actually going on. I was sad. I was happy. There, there are so many emotions and uh, lots of confusion. Uh, I felt that I will never see my mom and sisters again. I felt happy that I was away from, from uh, uh, everything that was going on at the household. But however, you know, uh, it was something that was drawing me back home. And later on, I learned there is this sort of connection between uh, the abuser and the victim. So you really uh-huh. can't just, you know, slice it and say, okay, this is it. You know, it's not happening anymore. The, the emotional attachment, the urge for, for something that, that you have been living through, that conditioning, it was um, something that really challenged me a lot. And... Um, yeah, from there, like we actually took legal matters and everything. So um, I don't know whether we want to go in, into any of the, those details, but... Um, it's up it's to you. Just, I mean, if you feel that it might help listeners out there, it's entirely up to you. Hmm. Then please feel free to say whatever you like. To tell you the truth, Mimi, with me and my legal matters, we haven't really reached anywhere because um, uh, here in Australia, because we lived in Adelaide, so when uh, when we actually went through court there, my father actually escaped from one state to the other state. The police actually followed through the different state as well. By that time, he was actually back um, in our country, so he flew back with my mom and my sisters. Um, and later oh. on... Yeah, and um, 2000, uh, the war broke uh, in Serbia. And I remember my mom calling and asking, like, is it okay to come back? And uh, because, you know, their fear was like, oh, no, he's going to be in jail and whatever. Uh, so I said, okay, you know, he can come back. I won't actually press any charges. It is okay. Um, so I actually made the peace with myself that uh, I will do whatever it takes on my behalf to let it go, to forgive, to, to really do whatever I need to do, not to sort of one day turn back and say, well, I should have done this, I should have done that. Um, so my, uh, then um, 2001, they actually came back to Australia to live. They're still here. So for many listeners, um, I know like, my mom, yes, she did know that I was actually abused. Um, um, however, day to day, she is with my father. So uh, many people will, will sort of ask me, so Billy, how do you, you know, how does that work? So that, that is another chapter. Um, and we can talk here day, days and nights of all of the, the questions that I actually get when people sort of read the book. Um, but it's... Um, you know, 
even then it took me so long to get to terms that I really need to do some serious work because um, when you sort of look, you know, uh, through the eyes of somebody who went through the abuse, the shooting, all of this stuff, um, there is actually many traumas that we need to deal with. I, uh, there is so many flashbacks. There is so many, um, I used to, to, to wake up in sweats and uh, tearing my pyjamas and uh, seeing people and hearing people. And uh, I just could not explain what I was going through. And I always felt that there is no hope for me. There is no hope for me. Um, I, uh, um, for a long time, I lived not knowing that I was having depression and anxiety because to me, uh, that's how I was surviving. I was having these outbursts for not knowing why. So I found myself in so many toxic relationships and uh, um, by age of 31, I, I found myself, you know, single mom with my, with my girl in hands and thinking, okay, what the heck am I doing now? Um, you know, no home, no money, no nothing. So it really took me so many years and I feel like when I really hit the rock bottom, that's when I started to think, okay, there is a serious issue here. What do I do? Because by that time I was not good to myself. I was not good to to my daughter. I lived through toxic relationship where I really and truly take my ownership because I was not well myself. Um, So, so it, it took me a long time to really get to know and to become aware of where I was at the time and what was actually happening to me in order for me to break the silence and do what I needed to do to become the person that I am today. It, it's a harrowing story, you know, and there's so many questions, I'm sure, that people Mm. ask you. There's so many questions that I could ask you. But as you said, we could talk about it for days and years and lifetimes because it's, it's so deep on so many levels. And it's unthinkable, you know, somebody that you trusted could do such things to somebody. And Mm. it scars people, you know, everything that we go through in life, whatever it is, it scars us to a point. And we, you know, at the end of our life, it's our scars in a way that define us, you know, not Mm. our medals, not our diplomas, but the scars, the things that we've gone through and survived and lived to speak about. Mm. But when did you find the courage, Billy, initially to Mm. tell your mom or to tell somebody? Was it in school, was that the first time or had you actually, you know, shared in confidence to someone prior to that? Uh, even with school, it was very much in confidence because there is so much shame and embarrassment that was mm. attached to me. Um, and that was very confidential. And, um, and I remember 
when I left um, my parents at that time, lots of judgment from the family members. Why did I left uh, home and how can I actually do such a thing? And I broke the traditional rule as a Serbian teenager running away. We don't do that. You are with the parents, you know, pretty much until you get married. So why would I run away? Such a beautiful and, you know, we have been looked as a wealthy family. That's how people saw us. Um, mm. You know, my father was great in people's eyes. And uh, so lots of judgment came through for um, at, at me pretty much. So all of this, like, you know, she's like this, she's like that. So we really uh, kept that uh, confidential. So no one knew exactly what was going on. Um, and I remember I secretly told girlfriend of mine what had happened and once she actually told somebody and I remember I was so upset not even knowing why I was so upset at the time because I'm thinking it but the story is the true this was my life and uh, working out you know it is shame it is fear it is embarrassment but the courage pretty much came when I had my daughter Mm-hmm. And um, and I feel that the person that I really shared was her dad at the time, my daughter's father. And he was the one approaching my father at, at once. And he, you know, said like, you know, did you do this to, to Billy? And my family were there. And to the point, my father, he just calmly turned around to him and he would say, she's a liar. And this is actually for whoever is going or whoever went through this is um, something that everybody's afraid of, that, you know, people will be calling them liars. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And the thing is, I would always say, as long as you know this is the truth, never to listen to anybody because there, well, there is never, I haven't heard, it could be, that abuser will never say, say or admit that they are abusers, that they have, you know, abused someone. So that was my dad as well. So my ex-husband, mm-hmm. uh, or should I say father of my child, he was actually one who knew. But of course, because um, at the time I was speaking to my father, I would go and visit them. So, you know, he was confused. My partner at the time, he was actually confused what was going on. So mm. I created doubts in him as well to the point he would say to me, I don't know, Billy, whether you know, telling me the truth or not. So... I actually went through life for people doubting me and not really being there for me. And that was actually a huge disappointment for, for myself. And I feel when I had my daughter, that's when many, many things, and this was actually 2007, many things were gobbing through my head. Um, that, that is actually the first time that I recognized there is actually depression and anxiety that I had to go, uh, that I'm actually living with. It was a chronic uh, depression. It was so many other illnesses. I was actually being on um, prescription medications and uh, whatnot to really make next day alive. However, I was questioning myself. Why as a mom, like now that I'm mom, I'm thinking, well, why my mom never actually did something? Why didn't she protect me? Why, you know, so there is actually, um, and I know when you said there is many questions. So my mom, she always wanted to leave my father with us three girls. However, my dad would always say, you go, but leave my girls. So at least my mom, she stayed with us. She never made the move without us. 
uh, back in, in Bosnia where we lived. But when we came here, this is something that I kept thinking about. I said to my mom when, when we landed, I said, mom, why don't we go? We will survive. Us four girls, we will figure out something. And I remember vividly she turned to me and she goes, you can leave. Contact your cousin. And she told me who to contact. And she said to me, your cousin will help you out and you can leave, but I can't. So, and I know this can also, again, get so, you know, many listeners confused why not, but I feel she is also uh, conditioned to that fear because I have seen my mom going through, through many, many, many things. Um, and I'm sure that there is, you know, fear. So I would, I would say like that, you know, having my daughter that I gained the courage now as a parent, as a mom to speak up and to say, well, this is what actually is going on. I really need help. I need someone, something to, to be here, to do something no matter what. Um, and from that onwards, it took me three years and, and you know what, it, it's so funny because we see the problem, we see it's hard to live um, in those circumstances. However, it's not easily done as we say it. So it took me three years from then to really live again with those medications, with those circumstances, with, you know, my mind just going um, so of overwhelmed and, and thoughts and uh, justifying everything, not seeing for what things are. I really started questioning myself afterwards mm-hmm. uh, because people were not believing me and calling me liars. So back in 2011, I, I remember I, I left um, uh, my, uh, the father of, of my child when I, and I was, again, you know, as I said, you know, single mom at 31 and uh, whatnot. And I remember the moment that I, that was actually the last time that I wanted to commit suicide. I thought to myself, okay, this is it. The pain is so, so big, so greater than anything. So I wanted to uh, pain to end and sometimes, you know, thinking back now, I always thought that the world will be better without me because I'm causing so much confusion, so much pain to others. I wanted just to end. And I remember the moment that I just thought of that and wanting it to do, um, my daughter walked in the room. It was only us two at the time living at this, you know, beautiful small apartment. Mm. And she comes to me and she goes, Mommy, are you sick? Only mother can understand those words because she was on only three years at the time. Mm. And that's, that's, that was actually the breaking point for me when I said to myself, what the heck, Billy, are you doing? You know, who is going to be here for your daughter, for my daughter, if I'm not there for her as a mom, as a protector? And I made myself decision. I actually pledged to myself that I will do no matter what it takes to turn myself around to be a better person, to be a better mom. And I never stopped since that day till day now, right now to work on me, to always figuring out how can I become a better person, better coach, better mom, better, part, better partner, sister, cousin, whatever. That was the breaking point for me. So I, I'm always grateful, you know, to my girl that, um, you know, how everything sort of evolved and happened and to have her and to go through 
uh, almost nine years as, as a single mom fighting for our life and um, working so many jobs and uh, trying to keep my head above the water studying and learning and working and dragging her along with all of my studies and work and everything uh, to, to, because I was, I was certain that one day I will live with purpose that I'll have my great vision and mission, but I did not know what that was. I just purely had the belief something was inside me telling me, just keep going, keep going, don't overthink doesn't doesn't matter you know where you know it doesn't matter where you're heading just get up go make a right next right step and that's it keep moving keep moving keep moving keep walking yeah. and keep moving i want to ask that's you it. i know that you said that i can you know i want to say to the listeners that billy has given me permission to ask you know whatever you know, we feel that may help other people as well in sharing your story. Mm. Now, do you still see your parents? Great question. Um, I haven't seen my father. It's been now nine years. So, so for me, in order for anyone, if, if we are looking to change something in our life, we also have to change our environment. So my, my environment had to be without my father in my life in order for me to heal. And uh, the question was like, you know, why do I really do I need him in my life? Do I, do I really need him? So it, it's been nine years since I haven't seen my father. Uh, however, with my mom, we just recently, recently it was, you know, it's been now about 18 months since, since we sort of reconnected and, um, and pretty much with my mom, I sort of um, simply, we sort of distanced from each other when my book came out. So I felt that I somehow brought the, a lot of shame and, and, and embarrassment to the family. So I feel that my mom, she need, she's always the person who needs to be a follower, not, not a leader. So I felt that she was manipulated in some sense not to speak with me and um, maybe some form of punishment to her because my father can't I mean we don't speak so I feel that came from him for her not to contact me but I do see my mom we do speak now I'll tell you one thing um there is times that I do miss my mom um and the other day I was talking to somebody and I said to them I don't I'm not even sure whether I love my mom or there is something else because still within me, there is like, you know, so many unanswered questions and uh, we can't talk about it. I mean, I can, but my mom can't because, um, um, you know, she has her different way of seeing things and, um, and we're two totally different uh, people um, and our perception is totally different. So we can't really see eye to eye. So it's, you know, we don't really talk about that, but I have my boundaries, my healthy boundaries, the same with my daughter. My mom doesn't see my daughter on her own. It has to be with myself or my sisters. Um, and um, no way of me seeing my dad or my daughter. However, um, um, I have forgiven my father 
I really let it go. And in order for me to really forgive him, I really had to learn to accept an apology that I never received. And I had a, I had, I actually went through every significant experience in my life that I could remember at the time and writing my book, it actually brought up so much to the point I took years to look at my life journey and really translate into new story, new vision, and, um, and to learn from every of those uh, moments in my life. And that actually what helped me to really forgive him and to be now with, in peace within, my, within myself. And um, um, I hear my readers now, when they do read my book, they said, Billy, like, you know, wow, your story, but you were so angry. And I, and I openly now say, when I was writing that book years ago, I really wrote in anger because I was so angry. Uh, at the time, I wanted my dad to feel the pain. I wanted to rip him apart with my bare hands. And now looking back, I'm thinking, wow, was I really angry that much? And, and I actually take my book now as a measure of my growth and, and measure of, of my inner success because I speak calmly about this. And even like I actually struggled. Maybe I struggled to share my story in the beginning because I'm thinking, wow, like um, I don't want again to put you know, some people in uncomfortable positions. So you're really overthinking of you know, some certain things. Yeah. But I can share now in a different way, in a calmer way, with love um, towards many people out there and even to, towards my father. And, uh, and I'm sure many people will not understand why, you know, I'm speaking with such a sort of peace or, you know, in, in, in such a way, because of course, you know, it will make somebody angry being abused and, and, you know, feeling used and uh, being like an object. And that is, uh, I, I so get it because I was that person, ang angry person. But when I learned so much of what forgiveness is, what are the benefits, what are the meanings, what it actually gives me, and that's when I made the peace with my father. So, and also I had to put myself into shoes of my dad, thinking what, what did he had to go through in order for him to be that way? So this is something that we really do forget because abuser doesn't just, you know, it's not born abuser. Um, you, like, you know, hurt people, they hurt people. So I feel like you have to go through something so traumatic yourself in order for you to do such a things if you don't gain the awareness if you don't gain some certain um sort of um, gifts or something like you know for you to recognize okay i'm going to cut the cord i'm not going to pass that on somebody else like i have recognized it within myself i recognize toxicity within me and i did not want to pass it on to my daughter i really wanted to break the cord i really wanted to not to become that abusive person, but what I have done, I became abusive to myself. So one way or the other, we become abusers. You know, I'm not abusing my daughter. I'm not, not abusing my partner. But however, for a very long time, I abused myself. I had addictions. I was hurting myself. I was, uh, I was um, you know you know, using prescribed medications, I was addicted to pornography. 
many people, they don't speak about that, but that was the tool that my father used for years of, you know, know, abusing me. So I do speak openly about these things because they are reality. This is what people are going through. And it's actually silent voice of millions. We are afraid to speak. We are afraid to, to be heard. It is the silence, isn't it? It's within the silence that people think that, you know, if I don't say anything, somehow it's a form of protection. And in some instances in life, it is. Mm. But also in the silence, it holds so many unspoken things, so many hurtful things for a lot of people who have been abused that I've heard stories especially and it's something that I wanted to ask you Billy because Mm. I knew somebody and I have to be careful now um while I was growing up and Mm. she was two years younger than me so we were pretty much a similar age our parents knew each other and she finally told me when she got married because she got married very young um, that she had been abused and it was by several people mm. and I knew the people mm. and it was extremely difficult for me because what yeah. do you do then? What do you do as the listeners, the friend? And I got mm. her to go and get um, help and, um, you know, to talk about it. And there was a strange thing that in my life, even to this day, and listening to you now sort of, I don't know, awakened something in me from then, is she went on to have four children Mm. and she then left her children to be looked after by one of the abusers. Mm. And I could never understand her. And I said to her, you know, I don't understand you. This is completely wrong. And I can't remain friends with you if you're going to do this because you've got to get help. Mm. And she said something really strange to me. And she said to me, Mimi, you don't understand. I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, he's the friend of the family and, you know, and I'll be persecuted and I'll be ostracized. And um, she was having an affair after affair, although she'd got married. And I said, why are you doing that? And she said, Mm -hmm. and this was the thing, and this is a very difficult pill to swallow. And she said to me, well, because my husband doesn't do what the abusers did to me. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, I realized the frailty of life and the the human psyche. And I thought, you never know, really, Mm the depth of Mm -hmm. what someone goes through that pushes them, that affects their life. And then even her, you know, three daughters now are affected because Mm -hmm. they are now also in a situation where they can't stick to one partner. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, what happened to them? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a generational thing. What happened to them, to them, to them? And she's the nicest person really you could meet, but she cannot be faithful. She has disorders. She has different addictions as well. Mm. And you don't know. You just don't know what people Mm. go through. And that's why when you were talking, Billy, you know, it sort of, 
evoked that memory. And it's not the first. I know many of my friends and I know many people like that who have gone mm -hmm. through things like that. I mean, we've all gone through some sort of, you know, crises and, you know, suffering in our life. Otherwise, we can't be understanding people. I, I believe that. Unless you've been through something, you can't mm -hmm. really help others going through this, you know, the same thing. But how did you manage to, I don't know, survive? It, it is the only real question here. Going through that, and you know, where your mum, you know, many people will say this, and I have to say, you know, your parents are the people that should be your protectors. Mm -hmm. But in this day and age, the more that I look, it's not so ideal. Life is not ideal as it should be. It is as it is. And mm. how did you do it? I mean, how do you still speak to your mum? And how did you find it in your heart to forgive your father? And then mm. go on to have a relationship, you know, and have, mm. how did you do that? For me, it actually, it's actually years of healing myself and looking within myself. Um, I, I so can relate with what you just shared, you know, just before. And what, what do you do when, when you say, you know, when you know somebody's going through that? And if I may just even share a tiny bit about that, you know, I always feel when somebody tells you the story that they have been abused or they are abused, believe them. Mm. believe them and never doubt because they are uh, number one there is not any trust anyhow we don't trust ourselves we don't trust anybody so when somebody tells you that they are abused they're not just saying just because they're reaching out but all we want is for somebody to believe us whether we now want to reach out and get help or whatever we don't want that because um you know, it, it, it's a scary, it is a scary journey to, to now get help and let's dive in because we constantly think, oh, uh, what is going to happen next? Uh, am I going to be prosecuted? Like all of the things that we just mentioned before, the shame and everything. Mm. But, mm. but for me, manage, you know, how do I manage and, uh, and um, you, you know, this survival, it is honestly ongoing work. For me, um, growing up, I sort of figured out that there is a higher power. Um, I felt that, you know, something above, I do believe in God. And I felt that I always had his hand down on me, always, no matter what my difficulties were and challenges and pains that I went through, but I felt the presence when it was my biggest um, moments of pain, I felt to be um, um, relieved from that pain as well. When I was shot, I felt like, you know, he was there present to move my head only one millimeter on left side. And that bullet scraped my, my cheek, my right cheek. Um, and it injured my actually hand and my, um, my left hand actually blew apart. Um, being in that forced marriage to get away from that um, um, man who later on has been actually killed because he was in the in chain of the mafia man. So looking back, I felt there was someone, that someone is God. That's how I um, 
translated to myself and yeah. I was guided. I was guided. My intuition was sort of, again, guiding me through something. I, don't, I did not even know what that was. And I sort of felt like, you know, just believe, just believe and trust your instinct. We tend to uh, think so much and our mind is there to protect us. But even though when I was not sure where I was heading and how this is going to turn around, I just felt it is right for me to do. So I'll tell you um, quickly what had happened. I was not ever married to a father of my child, but when I got out of that relationship, I got married and I was in marriage for four years, like legally married, but I wasn't living with a man. That mm-hmm. was my survival thing. I was actually escaping from one relationship. I got into another relationship that was the first time by my choice to be married and I felt that I was trapped. I did not even know that I had that fear in me of being trapped. Later on working through with my psychologist, psychiatrist, coaches and all of the mentors, mm. um, it was actually like, you know, being trapped. It again took me back into my childhood. So I had to work through all the layers of the acceptance, of awareness, of acceptance, of mastering my inner dialogue, my thoughts, how I communicated to myself to really changing every story in my head that did not serve me, Uh, you know, letting go and, and forgiving. And, you know, then when I actually got all of those tools, I really need to take some action. And this is a constant battle. It is not once off. I've been on this journey now for nine years for nine years and uh, my self-belief was that men are cruel, that, um, that uh, um, you know, life is too hard, all of the, 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 the nasty stuff. And, and I recognized that I had no self-esteem, no self-worth, no healthy boundaries. There was not any confidence. So working on all of these layers and having daily reminders what my mission what, what my vision and my purpose is, that is my, what's keeping me going and my survival technique. I suppose it's like um, feeling and not just feeling, but the realization that you are here for a higher purpose. Definitely. And, and that's what it is. And um, on my vision board, there is actually, you know, a similar quote that, you know, this is why I'm getting up uh, every morning for. So it is like, you know, uh, empowering men and women to break the silence of abuse, to remind them that they're beautiful, that they have unique gifts, that every answer that they're looking for, it is within, within side. So that is my, my uh, mission now that I'm living for. And, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling when you actually see people and when I see my beautiful clients and when they're transforming, transforming their life. And, you know, and I do have quite many ladies like uh, exiting relationships uh, or being in a toxic relationship, not knowing that they're in, in toxic relationship until we start to talk and to see red flags and what are the things and, um, so it's, it's a very rewarding journey, um, to really wake up with a, with a purpose that I'm living uh, right now in. And would you say that was some form of momentary 
transformation, Billy? Or would you say it was a whole set of events that, as you said, you need to work on every day? I would say like whole set of events. And, and for me, why I say it's every day, it's not necessarily that I'm actually working every day on how to become a better person, mm. but it's like knowing, knowing like, you know, um, knowing where you're heading, you know, having that vision in mind, knowing like, you know, your 12 year, uh, a 12 month um, vision, your three year goals or in mission and vision and five years. So for me, I'm sort of, I know where I'm heading and it doesn't have to be like every day, this is what I'm doing, but I know this is why I'm here for. And to tell you the truth, Mimi, my my mission was created for me. I never thought that I'll be speaking. I'll never thought that I actually would write a book. I never thought that I'll be running programs and teaching other people. I, I, uh, you know, growing up, I didn't really have any dreams. Like, you know, one of my dreams was like, okay, you know, when is going to be the day when I'm going to commit suicide? Because that's what I was, how I was living. Every mm. time I was raped and abused, you know, I, when I learned that you know, in nine months time, baby can come, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, you know, I have to really plan my suicide. That was my dream. So my mission was created for me by me just following what, you know, I felt that is right thing for me to do to better myself. And even when I decided to publish my autobiography, I didn't just say, okay, I'm going to write an autobiography. Prior to that, it took me four years to go through everything, to write it out for myself, to cry myself out, to, to mourn through everything. Um, and after like quite a few years of writing that and transform, transforming my story in a positive, I thought, wow, I feel now good. I feel much lighter. I feel better than ever before. And that's when something sort of sparked, okay, I can actually put this in a book. I can just share my story. So, you know, people can maybe read my story and my mission writing the book was if I can support or save one, not, you know, a few, but one life out there in the world, I'm done. I'm done with my purpose. And uh, before my hard copy came to me, it was actually launched on a, on a line. Um, somebody from Europe reached through my, through my publishers reached to me and it was a man saying, mm -hmm. wow, you saved my life because I was Googling like being alone, not alone, whatever, you know, because he wanted to commit suicide. So he actually went online for those words and my book popped out. It was, you are not alone. And oh my then, goodness. yeah, so my mission was like mission of writing book was achieved uh, before I even got my hard copy. And, you know, that's when I felt like, wow, I really helped somebody. And you know, and um, from then onwards, people that knew me in my community and where I used to work, um, you know, they'll reach out, how did I do many things? How did I overcome anxiety and depression? How did I become sober, you know, free of medications? How did I let go of my addictions? Hmm. Um, you know, eating disorders, pornography, all of these things that I actually had had in my life. Um, they started reaching out and my my mission was created. So here I am today and I'm loving it. And I would always say like, you know, if we look at our life and just to see like, you know, there is a reason for it. It happens for us, not to us. 
and definitely everything that happened to me happened for a reason because when people come to me with low self-esteem, with no confidence, no healthy boundaries, no self-worth, hell yeah, I know how to work with you to support you to build yourself up and to really create your healthy boundaries for relationship, relationship with yourself, number one, that's what, that's main relationship. Then you sort of mirror that to other intimate relationships, relationships with the family, my, my, you know, your children. Um, so that, that's, that's how I sort of taken it, um, my mission to be. Mm. It, it's, it's incredible, you know, that even one life, you know, I'm sure that you are saving more than one life, Billy, but even one life to be saved by your trauma and your torment that you went through. I, I was listening to something actually the other day and mm. it, they were talking about holy people, you know, <laughs> like um, saints and, you know, you can call them gurus or sages or mystics. And apparently they were asking somebody, you know, I don't know, a hundred years ago. And they said, you know, why is it that people have to suffer? That some people have to go through this suffering, whether it be physical or mental or whatever. And the mystic answered, because these people turn out to be the brightest lights. Because they're the ones who know they've been through it. And in a way, they're trained, you know, by the divine to mm-hmm. be able then to go and reach out to other people. Yeah. So in this tragic story, there is a huge honor that is also there for you because you are the light and the beacon for so many now. Thank you, Mimi. <laughs> it, it's, Thanks. I think it's the only way, I think, that people that are trying to help others are usually the ones who've been through the mm. most tragic of circumstances. Mm. I am... Um, I definitely can agree with that. And um, because people that they reached out to me, they have gone through, you know, some significant um, things in life and knowing myself, um, it's, it's, um, you know, knowing what I went through and what I do for others and whether they, you know, my clients, they're not my clients, people in general. um, I, yes, I think that's that's where my where I feel like rewarded. No matter what, just reach out, help, support, remind somebody. Just remind them that you know we are so beautiful, uniquely beautiful, and we should love ourselves for who truly we are. And uh, we somehow we misinterpret that with our circumstances and thinking, oh, look at me, and you know uh, I'm living here, I'm not having job or this and that. There are circumstances. They are not us. They are not you. So really to, to separate those two things. And, and, and I actually have a great privilege of reaching to many people and just reminding them how beautiful, unique, gifted, 
each one of us are. We, we are so, we are so, like, we are gold. We are gold and we forget that. We, are forget, get, we forget that because we become the biggest uh, critics of our own. There's no one worse, is there? It, it's like there's no one that can be so cruel to us as we can be to ourselves. Mm, yeah, definitely. And this is one of the things that, you know, we have to master our inner dialogue um, in any journey of transformation you know, to have the awareness to accept whatever there is um, and, and, you know, master the inner dialogue. You know, if we do those three, well, we are on the right path. I really like what you said, and it's so wise. I'm, I'm going to try to remember that in my life now about, you know, in effect, we are not our situation. Mm-hmm. It is momentary in life everything is momentary however difficult it's passing it doesn't mean Mm. that that's who we are in what wonderful way to look at it because it then totally detaches you from Mm. whatever is passing by in that river Mm. and this is how we can actually see beauty with everybody everyone is so amazing but the thing is our behaviors are not so if we are um, abusing somebody, if we are angry, if we are screaming, kicking, yelling, um, mm. doing those things, that is not part of us. They are the behaviors. That is actually deeply conditioned in our subconscious. So this is one thing that I always would even uh, remind myself, number one, then, the, you know, my beautiful clients and, you know, when they say, well, you know, I just got angry and, you know, I'm ashamed. It, it is okay. It is okay to experience all of these emotions. They are not you. They are the behaviors. So we dislike behaviors. It's true. And it, it's, it's difficult though, isn't it, Billy? Um, very, very challenging, to, right? <laughs> yeah, to separate that, you know, it's yes. difficult. I, I shared a story actually on one of the episodes and it's just reminded me what you said about, you know, everyone, you know, innately is beautiful in their creation, but it's mm-hmm. what happens to them that makes them the way they are. And um, I remember, I, I'm going to sh- share the story again because it's relevant and it's about how me and a friend of mine were traveling on this road and it was a motorbike and he had overtaken us and, you know, two other cars, black, um, sort of really strange looking cars because they were, the windows were all blacked out. So, you know, who knows really what was going on. And, you know, I had this Mm. very strange feeling about the whole thing. And then literally minutes along the road, the road, was shut suddenly and it was like a motorway and um the bike had crashed Mm. there was no sign of the cars but the bike had crashed and we were stuck on there for literally hours upon hours and the ambulance the air ambulance everyone was there but there was a moment billy when it was silent and it was nighttime and it was pitch black there were no lights on this part of the motorway and um there was something that pulled me to look up and everybody in that moment I saw looked up and we saw this light come from this motorcyclist and it just went towards Mm. the sky. And I thought, this is the soul of that person. This is who that person is. 
not who was riding the bike. And he died subsequently. He died in that moment. And we were all part of that moment of death. But in Mm. a way, he had gone back to his eternal light. And I always try to think of that because it's similar to what you're saying. Yeah. So difficult, isn't it, to distinguish that? It is so, you know, well... um, difficult, challenging, you know, you name it. And every time I, I, w- I would feel like, you know, let's say, you know, um, if I find myself like, you know, which I can do very well, scream at my daughter, then you'll sort of think, oh, wow, where did, does this come from? So the thing is for me, like I would say to myself, okay, that does make me bad mom. I'm a great mom. So now I'll be actually working out like, you know, where is that coming from? Mm. Because all of the behaviors, everything that, you know, comes out, you know, from us that we really dislike, um, it's, we learned somewhere that, you know, it's part of our condition, but we learned. So if we go back and usually it's in those childhood um, age of, you know, up to six or seven years of age. Yeah. Um, that something had happened, uh, it could be subconsciously, it, it can well and truly be that we don't even remember. But there is sort of, you know, uh, therapies and, the, you know, um, things that we sort of can do that we can bring that subconscious to awareness to really let go. So that's actually what I have done so much with me, like, you know, healing that inner child through different um, therapies. And to tell you the truth, Mimi, Believe me, day to day, I've got my coaches, my mentors, and my therapist by my side. Um, even though, like I said, uh, you know, being a coach, coaching amazing people out there, but I have my people to go to because, as I said, I'm I'm forever a student. I'm yeah. still learning and growing, and you know, bettering myself as a human. And it will never stop with me. And we constantly need to have these reminders from professionals. Mm. So mm. For, for me, I actually really am I'm grateful that I have these people. And, uh, um, and it's, you know, we come from that side like, oh, you know, but therapist, but coach, but this, but that, you know, there's so many uh, excuses not to have one because of the fear of, okay, what are they going to do? Are they going to point some problems? Not at all. I think like, you know, wanting to help yourself or wanting to, to work towards something, you just, you know, get your tribe, get your support. Don't be embarrassed. Um, there is nothing wrong to have a psychologist, psychiatrist, nothing wrong if you need to have medications to get you on the right path um, and figure out later on what is going to happen. You know, for me, I made the decision for myself to get off all the drugs that I was on, um, talking about medications. I never used any other sort of uh, illegal drugs or anything like that. But I made the decision to become sober, to to become clean, to get rid of all of these things. And uh, it's just how much you want it. And, and when we do want, there is no, oh, I don't need therapists. Like, bring it on. Give Because for me, it was not a question, how am I going to do it? It's like, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. Just go. Just go. I, I, borrow, I actually invested money that I didn't even have, uh, but I knew on the other side, I will come better, healthier, 
I would become clean, I would become wiser, all of those things. So I believed, I believed and I had that certainty that on the other end, I will become that light that you um, speak about. So that was me. And it's the beautiful realization, isn't it, that underneath all of the darkness of the world, there is us who are mm. actually bringing the light to the world. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So we actually make the choice. We do make a choice. You know, as you said at the beginning, entirely it is up to up to us. So mm. we are making decisions no matter where you're right now in your life, no matter what your circumstances, the decision, the choice is yours. And, uh, you know, going back to the being silent, you know, being silent, we think, okay, we are going to keep the peace because I speak to many uh, people that they would like to share their stories, but they are afraid of many things as I was afraid. And um, I spoke yesterday to an amazing lady and I said, by you being so silent, you are, pro are protecting your perpetrator. So what are we really, you know, doing? Are we protecting ourselves by being silent or people that really abused us? And what would you say the answer to that was, Billy? We are really protecting perpetrators. Hmm. You know, being silent, being silent, you know, because we stay in silence for the sake of the family, for the sake of peace. But the thing is, there is no peace within yourself. So if you become true and honest to you, there, I actually live by this mantra, the truth will set you free. So if you're true to yourself with no excuses, labels or justifications, but what about this? But, you know, this happened because of this, all of these things. Be true to what really is. Make peace within yourself. Make a peace within yourself because I, I usually say to, 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 you know, when I, when I speak and everything, the number one regret of dying people is not living true to themselves. They would usually live the life that somebody else wanted them to live. Oh, that's a heavy burden. Yeah. To have carried through life, you know. Yes. Yeah, so, so, mm, uh, uh, I feel, I feel if somebody wants to share the story, but they're thinking, what about this? What about that? There is going to be humps and bumps. And, you know, with me sharing my story, there was a, you know, there is a division in the family. However, people that chose not to believe me, I, I chose not to be part of their life, you know, or for them not to be part of my life. So, for me, it's been now battling with um, the truth and everything for about nine years and I'm living my peace. So um, the 10 years is nothing compared to the rest of your life. So yeah. you might be living another 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you know, living in that science that is actually eating you away. So by speaking the truth, by being honest to yourself, by forgiving, letting go, it's really to sit down and dis, like you know to really define what it, that does that do, um, what does it do to you? What are the benefits of being you? 
living in peace, speaking up. And if you stay in silence, what is going to happen then? So I, I would usually sort of, you know, do a bit of a comparison mm-hmm. and, you know, for people to work out for themselves, because we cannot tell people to do something that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So people usually will figure out for themselves um, as I did for myself. Although for me, I feel like, you know, I started this, like oh, I was desperate to, to, to become a better person when I recognized where I was and maybe, you know, I did not let myself to overthink where is this leading me because I was anyhow on my own at that time. Like no one believed me. I was single mom. Uh, all people that I had around me was people at, at my work at the time. So I pretty much had no one at the time anyhow. Um, and to be here where I am with amazing you know, be- beautiful daughter, my beautiful sisters, my beautiful family members that they, they are amazing that I chose to have them in my life, to have amazing partner in my life, to have a healthy relationship. And th- th- that is like, for me, this is uh, untold. Um, if you told me five years ago that I'll be living this life right now with this level of peace, joy, happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, and I'm talking internal, everything is within, nothing to do with material, material stuff or, you know, physical stuff. It's all within. I never would have believed that five years ago, but it is possible. It is possible. It's possible, isn't it? It's absolutely (laughs) possible. And you talked about, um, Billy, the, the comparisons that you offer. So let's just, um, explain to the listeners you are now healing other people in effect tell us a little bit about what your work is now Mm. for me uh what i do it's really supporting people to build their self-esteem to really discover their worth and gain and confidence wherever they are in life and with my principles we can use that in a personal life and also professional life. So the only type of healing that I would do, it would be through the personal breakthroughs with the timeline therapy because I did study neuro-linguistic programming. So the way how we change the stories, how we speak to ourselves, the different modalities. However, I don't really call myself healer, but my clients on the other end... <laughs> they 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 do. <laughs> I feel like through their through they during this, oh Billy, I, you know, you you sort of help me you healed and you know, I wouldn't say that I'm healed. Absolutely, I'm, absolutely. <laughs> I'm purely actually um using all the tools and strategies and blueprints that I actually uh applied to myself. So there is no any specific formula that I go by or anything and everybody it's um, uh, uniquely different. And when we work one-on-one, it's a different strategy because then we figure out what that is. And what I also do, if I feel that um, specific person needs something that I cannot offer I'm so blessed to work in an environment that I do have support and people um, that I reach out and they support me. For, and I'll give you an example. There is, an, uh, you know, quite a few ladies um, that have been actually abused and we sort of don't go through 
intimacy, uh, enjoyment of intimacy, we are very ashamed. We, you know, so much block ourselves. Um, so then I would actually call the experts because I'm not expert in that area. So, um, and pretty much the whole process becomes sort of a healing process where, you know, by any, ch- by any means, like, you know, um, I do support people with really building their self-esteem and confidence, discovering their worth. What I really um, encourage everybody, like building their healthy boundaries ev- around everything, about yourself, your self-love, your self-worth, to really um, rebuilding. We, ho- all, we all have th- that within us, but sometimes we really need the checklist and to some certain things to be rebuilt because as I work with many people in relationships or, you know, leaving toxic relationships, we do forget what self-love is, what that means, how it feels. So, you know, I'm really uh, foot on, you know, having those healthy boundaries and building um, boundaries around everything so by that, you know, you'll know, okay, what does it fit in, in my self-love, in my self-respect, in, in my integrity? Okay, this doesn't feel right. No, I don't need it. So, um, you know, on the other hand, you really walk away with, re, like, refuel yourself with, you know, becoming that unstoppable, unshakable person. And tell us a little bit about boundaries, Billy, because I remember... I knew somebody once on my travels and um, she said something interesting about boundaries and I, I won't ever forget that. She said, mm-hmm. you know, this is my space. You know, this mm-hmm. is my country, so to speak. Mm-hmm. If you want to come, mm-hmm. you have to get a visa. And maybe mm-hmm. today I'll give you a visa and maybe I won't. It just depends. And it yes. always sort of made me smile because... I think, you know, you are the master of your destiny, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I'm a great believer in destiny and there are some things obviously that we don't know, but I think the soul and the heart follow a certain path that it knows it's correct for it. And Mm -hmm. these boundaries are things that I see a lot that people actually don't have them and they'll allow Mm -hmm. themselves to be treated in the most appalling of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is the way, you know, lack of self-esteem and self-worth comes in. And I ha- I'm actually bulletproof of, of that as well. And this is why I stayed in, in some relationships that, they, that vividly I knew that they're not for me, but because lacking self-esteem and um, you just sort of stay in there. And sometimes it's just easier to, to just stay than, you know, to make a move and do something. So with the self-boundaries, let's, let's say, you know, we're talking about self-love because uh, I, I'm like big, big believer, like, you know, loving yourself or who truly are, that, that is the best medicine. When you truly love yourself, you accept yourself or who you are with your ups and downs, um, and when you know that you deserve of everything. So for me, it's like really knowing what the self-love is, number one. So if you're making um, boundaries about respect, know and define that to you what respect to you is or anything. So number yeah. one, I will encourage everybody, whatever you're building self-boundaries around, know what that is and what that means to you. Um, so let's say like, you know, we are building boundaries around self-love, what self-love really 
is to you. Firstly, knowing that that is the vibration it is actually feeling. So, you know, I would um, say, okay, what are the feelings? Mm. You know, you feel energized, you feel empowered, you feel loved. Um, you know, what is that color? Um, what is the shape? Do you name that self-love? How do you name it? Name it. So all of these things that you sort of put in that basket or um, put it in, in one jar. So, um, and majority, as I said, like, you know, in relationship, like, you know, we are building around the partner, like, you know, um, what our partner, you know, we would like to have the characters, the mm. everything that comes. So when, when we, um, let's say we are with, uh, around somebody that we don't feel really good, that they're actually dragging us down, that they're, they're pulling us uh, backwards, then you go to the boundaries of your self-love and you think, well, that's what I actually did not want to feel. You know, these are my feelings. It's not being tired and exhausted and, and broken down and being pulled back. Well, it doesn't really match my self, um, self-love boundaries. And with everything really, you know, don't go by dictionary to say, okay, what self-love is. Make it to you. Define it for yourself. What is the meaning? What are the benefits? What is the definition for you? Because we can be looking at the same thing, but translating in different ways. So this is sometimes where we sort of, you know, um, what is the word? We sort of... um, um, put, you know, everything in one. We, so we sort of assume, okay, you know, self-love means this and, you know, yeah, I've heard this. No, what is it for you? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I openly speak about forgiveness and I, I run the workshops on forgiveness. I just love the topic. And, you know, for me, like forgiveness to me, it's, it's learning to accept an apology that I never received. So when we think, okay, I learned to accept an apology I never received. So my father never apologized to me, but I learned to accept that. Many people that abuse me, they never apologize, but, but I learned. So that's my definition. So I created the meaning of forgiveness. I also write all the benefits, you know, reducing my stress, um, you know, many mental illnesses dis- disappeared with that. So writing benefits and meanings and definitions of everything that you are going through, you know, be clear and understand what that is. Articulate. The more understanding you've got around it in your own wording, in your own language, the better it is. Because we sometimes thrive um, to, to be sophisticated and use this language and do, like I've learned one thing. My English is not perfect at all. And I honestly, I, I found very hard to share my story in the beginning, like, you know, because, you know, of many other reasons. But one thing is I've been bullied with my English, with my accent. But guess what? You know, the English for me, it's really a tool to really support people and, and, and be that vessel and share my story. And, you know, and I articulate stuff the way how I know and I understand. I don't try to be something or someone or speak something that I don't even understand. So I understand what you are talking about. And there's so many ways to talk, isn't there, Billy? Definitely. There's so many different languages. But what I learned, and I don't know about you, 
But what I learned that no matter where I was in the world, it's the language of love that got me through. Mm -hmm. And it's a universal language that everybody understands. Yes. Yes, the same like singing. It is a universal yes. language. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. absolutely. Um, everybody understands it. That's it. That's you, know, it. you feel it. You feel it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It is it. the feeling. Mm. It's the feeling. Yeah. It's a and this is one, one main thing with everything, connect the feeling with it. You know, it's not like, you know, we, we, we so much talk about vision and mission and whatever. What is the feeling with it? If you don't connect the feeling, it's not, it's not happening. Like weird, you know, affirmations. If it's not, you know, if you don't mean it and feel it, uh, it's not, you know, happening. But the more you do it, you will become to, to feel. So don't be afraid if you don't feel it right now. The more you do it, the more you practice it, no matter what it is, even self-love, even loving yourself. The more mm-hmm. you do it, the more you affirm that you're loving you and believing in you, it happens. Over time, it happens. This is a process. This is a process. It is not overnight thing. It is not shortcut to anything. So it is a process. It is a process. And I think I always go by this. If it doesn't feel right, if that person doesn't feel right for whatever reason, you know, mm-hmm. talking about feelings, then leave it, you know, mm-hmm. because there is this thing of gut feeling that we have this sort of radar and this equilibrium within us that pretty much tells us when something is for us and something is not for us. It's learning mm-hmm. to trust that, isn't it? hundred percent, hundred percent. But then, you know, how do you learn to trust? That's the big uh, question. <laughs> that's the $64 million question, isn't it? That's it. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, the more you trust, I think, the more you trust that voice within you, that's that unshakable voice. It's, it has then the courage to speak more to you. And then you build a relationship. I, I, have a friend of mine and we have this thing of, you know, ask your heart, you know, ask your heart. Well, what should I do? Ask your heart, ask your heart. And then we have this moment and it's like, it's funny because it's like being fine, but you know, mm. actually it works and it's, it's incredible the answers it gives. And sometimes you don't want to hear it, but you know, it's the way to go. So yes. Like, well, shall I go there or shall I not? Shall I be with this person and go to that event or shall I not? Or it can be anything, absolutely anything. Shall I buy this or shall I buy, you know? And then you say, well, mm-hmm. ask your heart. So there I am. We're yeah. asking our heart. Shall we do it? Shall we do it? And then I said, okay, what does your heart say? No, what does your heart say? Well, go on, say it. And then it says no. And she said, yeah, mine says no. So that's it then. That's it. Then. That's it. And yeah. that's it. Because <laughs> the moment we involve our, our mind, it will tell us different. Yes. You know, because because it's you know um, the the instinct will always tell you and guide you where you are supposed to go. It looks scary. It looks maybe you know unclear at the time, but trust those instincts. Trust it. Trust, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. Trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Trust your heart and trust your soul. I think above all else, and um, pretty much. We're halfway there. 
Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're halfway. At least we're keep walking, as you say. You know, keep making those steps and, you know, wipe your knees and get up again. And get up and, and just, go. Yeah. You know, keep going. Life is like this train of, you keep mm. going. You keep going yes. and you keep moving and the past is gone. Um, mm-hmm. leaving with it its lessons. But um, what do we do? We have to, as you say, trust our heart, trust mm-hmm. our feeling. Mm. And day by day, that's all we can do. That's it. That's it. That's it. Just, you know, and uh, I always feel it's always that story um, that we tell ourselves. So even when we, uh, you know, fall down or we think we fail, if we just have the story that we are just getting the feedback, you know, that maybe this is not the way for us. Let's go the different path. So not even being said, well, there we go. I failed. I, you know, straight away we actually become, you know, these critical creatures for ourselves, but really, you know, get up and keep moving, uh, fall forward. It is okay. Get up and get the feedback, you know, get the lesson, get the learning. Because if we haven't fallen so many times and if we haven't been in a, in a um, rock bottom, we, you know, I feel that I would not, you know, have any of the knowledge, what I've got today and the strength and the courage um, and all the other beauties that ca- comes with, with me right now. So keep embracing. And sometimes we can't see while it's happening, why is it happening? For what purpose? Mm-hmm. But I always said, if you think of your life as, a, you know, uh, there is uh, like a puzzles, you know, each puzzle will right, uh, find the right spot. And after all, you will have that perfect picture. Why did that happen? And for what yes. reason? Yes. Like so every each, each chapter line, is yeah. a puzzle. It's true. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's true. And that mm-hmm. gives us hope in itself to know that this is just part one part of a greater picture. That's it. That's it. Which is a hopeful way to look at life, in fact, is that whatever we're going through, it's just part of a greater tapestry of life. Mm. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Wow, I'm, I'm really so grateful to you, Billy. Extraordinary lady, beautiful that you are in sharing your story, truly. And, you know, thank you so much for coming on today. I, I'm really honoured to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. And, and, and it, it's been my honour to be here. Um, and I have been waiting for this, even though it's very late here in Australia. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> uh, but, no, it's been my pleasure. And, um, and I, yeah, um, I really love what I do. and. Um, you know, if, if this actually takes, again, one person to really think deeper and, and um, you know, break the silence, voice themselves, again, you know, mission ac- accomplished. So it's been my pleasure, Mimi. Thank you. Thank you. And Billy, where can people find out about your work and what you do and if they want to contact you and also about your book? 
Mm. Um, everything can be actually found at uh, billyboss.com. Um, in fact, my website is actually launching on 1st of September. Um, so right now, like, you know, they, they, you can still find it, but everything is going to be actually uh, on billyboss.com. Facebook is the same. I'm everywhere under Billy Boss. Even my book you can find on my um, on my uh, platform as well website. So uh, Billy Boss. Is it on Amazon as well, Billy? Your book on Amazon. Yes, you can also find the Amazon uh, digital as well uh, um, and hard copy. So, and what's it called? Yeah. What's you the are. Called? The book is called "You Are Not Alone." And it's You Are Not Alone by Billy Boss. And it's available on Amazon and all sorts of, you know, publishing, different publishing platforms. The book is actually, uh, the book is under Anna Mila Bella. And uh, because we had actually to hide our identity. Uh Um, Yes. So You Are Not Alone. And it's written by Anna Mila Bella. By Anna Mila Bella. Okay. Yes. yes. So people can find you there and also on the website. And are people free to contact you, Billy? Yes. All the contact details you okay. still can actually find on the, the Billy Boss. And many people they actually do reach out through the Messenger and Facebook or, you know, either professional or personal page. So definitely, by all means. I don't fight, I welcome. <laughs> I always say that I don't fight well not on a Sunday <laughs> oh dear and I always just before you go just before you go I, do, I know of the time difference and you know it's late where you are but a few words of wisdom more than you know you've given so many today but I always ask my guests this at the end um, Billy for people out there you know mm. just a few lines to keep you know, giving them hope, what advice would you give? Well, I always keep reminding myself to be kind to myself. So if you be kind to you, because we are only one that, you know, we can nurture and love ourselves. No one can love us more than we can do that. So if we take care of ourselves, be kind to love ourselves, respect ourselves, speak kindly, take time for yourself, everything just for you. That would be my sort of little reminder again. Just love who you are, care for you, be kind. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Billy. And are you going to bed now? Right now. It is 11 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, oh, poor Billy. And, you know, she's taken the time to talk to us. But, you know, it's been amazing and it's been truly beautiful. Thank you again, Billy. Thanks, Mimi. Thank you. And oh. all the best to all of you. <laughs> Uh, and all the best to you. Take care, Billy. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye for now. Bye. 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 Billy Boss, extraordinary lady with an even more extraordinary story of bravery and survival that shows us that no matter what we are going through, we are more powerful than any situation that we are facing.
Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next time, look after yourselves and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk.